Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 22 of Risk and Reward, the golf betting podcast from Winning Edge Investments that aims to keep you on the right side of the betting ledger. I'm Rod Murray, and I'm joined, as always, this week by my co-host, John Evans. John is the tipster. I'm the technical guy, and that's as things should be. J.E., welcome. Coming to the listeners, funnily enough, from a park outside the Yass Golf Club. Long story, but good to be here. We're recording outdoors, so if the sound's not 100% as people might expect, that explains that. Uh, good to have you aboard, my friend, after a very exciting President's Cup. Well, thank you, Rod. Um, uh, I was fortunate enough here to come to the Yass Golf Club, which was a lovely place about two years ago with my son, and we played nine holes. The pro was very, very uh, receptive and a terrific guy, and the course was unbelievably beautiful. Fairways you could eat your lunch off today. It looks like a desert. The the obvious, uh, the problems of... Uh, recent drought in Australia is obvious here and it's a tragedy for the for the club but it's a lovely plot we're sitting out under the plane trees and uh it's as long as the wind doesn't affect us rod we'll we'll get on to it but we <laughs> had a, like, unbelievable like a work, an unbelievable an uh, unbelievable uh tipping session for subscriber Steve uh during the president's cup uh, 16 units of profit uh, only one day in which we uh, we had a m- minus half a unit, but the rest of the days each were profitable, including the, the final day when one would think that uh, we would have had a bit of difficulty finding a winner, but uh, we had six units of profit, which is a terrific uh, for our subscribers. Unfortunately for Podcast Pete, our, the reason for these uh, podcasts and our tremendous work ethic we're putting in... <laughs> Uh, podcast Pete uh, didn't get a he, we, we had it we did a podcast and for some reason or another we didn't uh, upload it so so however but uh, uh, we did mention uh, $4.50 during one of our podcasts for the internationals and at one stage they got down to $1.80 so if you took the four fifty on the early tip and you crashed at $1.80 you'd, you'd have plenty of money in your pocket even if you didn't get the tips but subscriber Steve had a wonderful wonderful President's Cup it was a shame the internationals didn't win. You'd have to say that Tiger's personal performance was outstanding and his captaincy was uh, legendary. Yes, and I can tell the listeners John is grinning like a Cheshire cat, as he's entitled to do after a successful week. For those not familiar, Yass is sort of between Melbourne and Sydney. We're driving from Melbourne back to Sydney, J.E., because we're dinosaurs and we don't like to fly. So uh, that explains... Why we're here just quickly on the President's Cup, J.I. I don't think we can go any further without having some thoughts about it. You're right, it was vintage Tiger that we saw. More importantly for the event as a whole, if it's going to be a success in the long term, it needs to be competitive. We finally had a cup that was competitive. Has it saved the event, do you think? Well, I think it has. Uh, had um, had the Americans steamrolled uh, our team, uh, and I think we should say our team, then the event really would have had no meaning. But there was a point in time during the second day's play when it was reasonable to assume we were 5-0 up in the matches that that it could have been 9-1. The Americans, to their credit, and obviously uh, all, many of them ranked in the top 20 in the world, they birdied, three of them birdied the last hole for two wins and a half, an unbelievable effort on their behalf to get out of what was a, was, was a position from which they could never have recovered. Then, of course, we had the individual games and Tiger's strategy was, you could describe it as similar to the, to the trainer of Vaux Rogue 
in the 2000 metre race at Flemington. He said, I'm going to get to the front. We're going to dominate and we're going to see if these guys are good enough to come back at the end with their better players and come over the top of us. And as it turned out, Tiger's philosophy was the winning one. His team kicked away and unfortunately the end players in the in our team couldn't finish the job off for us. It was a, it was a, it was a, I mean it was a sad story for those of us who were there at the event. Um, but I think they're going to have to look uh, in the future, right? I don't know what your impression of this is, but I think they're going to have to look at perhaps bringing in a ladies group, maybe six ladies and, and six men. The Koreans are the dominant ladies force. It would make the match much more equitable in America. And I think it's probably it would it would provide it with an impetus that it might require. Yeah, it's an interesting notion that's been thrown around a bit. The PGA Tour might be difficult to convince, but uh, after what we saw at Royal Melbourne, which was frankly, if you were a golf fan, Jay, leave the leave the result aside whether you wanted one team or other to win. The golf was compelling, enthralling, and fascinating to watch. The contest was close, and late into Sunday afternoon, we still weren't sure who was going to win, and that's exactly what you want. In that sort of format, isn't it? So they got it right at Royal Melbourne, but I think the questions are whether, as you say, when we go when the when the when the event is played in America, the internationals certainly seem to the last time around. I think it was almost over Saturday afternoon. If, if Banaban Lahiri hadn't hold putts on each of the last three greens, there would have been no need to play the Sunday singles. So lopsided was the result. Nobody wants to watch that every second year. So they certainly need to do something to make sure it's competitive and more compelling. They got it right this time. I think the course was the equaliser, and the course was certainly the centre of attention around the world. Golfers from around the world were in love with Royal Melbourne, as they should be, what a venue it is. But I don't think we're going to get that again at at, uh, Quail Hollow in two years' time, which is where it'll be played next time. So I I agree with you. I think there's things to think about. I'm not quite yet on the train that says, let's throw the baby out with the the water and change the whole thing to a mixed event. But certainly, I think in the longer term, that has some merit. No question about that. There was one thing I thought, Rod, that was worth noting, was that the the new young players, Sung J.M., could have been the best player there apart from Tiger. Apart from Tiger, yeah. Tiger was uh, outstanding. He was leaps and bounds in front, wasn't he? It, but it's hard to believe, J.E., that at that level, somebody could stand out so far ahead of the... There's not a single chump in either of those two teams, and Tiger made all other 23 golfers look like chumps. Well, not quite. Almost, chump, not but, quite, but... But, uh, but Tiger is... is and, and the description by the American team players at the press conference after the event, the Tiger, the greatest player, golf player of all time, is an apt description on what we saw, I thought. Particularly but, for a 44-year-old with four well, surgeries age, and knee surgeries. As you and... know, we get better with, like yeah. good wine, we get better, but <laughs> well, he seems to. But come back to those young players, Sung J.M., uh, Ben Ann, uh, who, if he could putt, Half as well as, uh, say, Jordan Spieth, he he would be one of the world's best players. Abraham Anser made one mistake during the event, and that was during the Maya Cobra tournament. He said he liked to play Tiger. <laughs> uh, Tiger had a 12-foot putt to beat him. After he did it three feet and was on its way, he went over and shook Anser's hand. <laughs> and in the press conference, he said, Abe got what he wanted. He wanted it, he got it. He wanted it, he got it. So... <laughs> So, but Abraham Answer, having said that, was a fantastic yep. uh, performer and competitor. Uh, Cameron Smith beat, uh, came from behind to beat Justin Thomas. That's no mean feat. Wonderful, wonderful performance. Yep. If the internationals had won, 
that would have been the talking point. And then uh, C.T. Pan. People bag C.T. Pan, but uh, Patrick Reed, everybody's uh, anti-hero, <laughs> uh, shot six under for the first seven. And their best ball after 13 holes was 11 under par. C.T. Pan's performance was a lot better than it looked. He was six down at one stage and got down back to two down. So all of those young players, and I hope I haven't left one out, uh, because all of them deserve a rap. Uh, they're a good sign going forward, uh, particularly Sung J.M., and, uh, and Cameron Smith, in my view, their, their ratings will rise up. Uh, they'll, they'll be in the top 25, by, uh, maybe even better off in the next. Sanjay Im could be in the top three or four players in the world. He's, he's almost the equivalent of John Rahm. He's up there, isn't he? So I think those things augur well for us. But beating America in America, I think the only hope of that is if they amalgamate the Korean girls, who clearly are the best players in the world, and the, and the American women aren't. And so all of a sudden you find a balance that could change. I think it's a worthwhile consideration. Yeah. Just just on the young players, they will all feel that they've been part of something special, won't they, John? And that augurs well for the team. The, the key to the Ryder Cup for both America and Europe is the players are invested in it in the long term. They are absolutely championing it the bit to be a part of the team and a part of the competition because they know what that is like to be a part of that team. And I think the international's got a bit of a taste of that with, a, as you say, a group of young players who will want to be there again next time and next time and next time. They'll feel like there's unfinished business. All positives, I think, coming out of that for the internationals. Well, I think Ernie Els, um, uh, who was extraordinarily disappointed and, um, and, and I don't think he should be as disappointed as he was because I don't think Ernie could have done anything... No. Uh, anything different he created the new logo which was a brilliant idea of having a shield and then the country of origin for the player was in the middle of the shield so uh, Matsuyama had uh, the sun on the back as the, the as the flag of Japan and each country had uh, the Mexican had the Mexican flag uh, and that shield was a concept of bringing the team together, and I thought that was a fantastic thing. His his management, his solving the problems of the internationals not being able to win and the foursomes, he fixed that problem. He was unlucky not to, as I say, lead 9-1, unbeatable. Uh, had they not told two 25 or 30-footers in the last hole, and we all know that's, that's not that's a bargain, um, I think that Ernie would have been considered to be a, 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 a genius. Yep. So... So all those factors taken into account, I don't think we should be sad about the result. I think no. we should be happy about the fact that we've improved, that our management of the team's improved, we've got the right captain, yep. we've got guys who are going to improve. I think we've got a lot to look forward to. Yep, lots and lots of positives. Couldn't agree more. Let's move on from that. Before we come to this week's betting, we must mention, of course, uh, the special deal that podcast listeners get for the Golf Newsletter, which you will get every week with JE's tips that he spends so much time delving into looking for value bets. If you go to Winning Edge Investments, you'll see the link in the show notes as well. You can sign up for that 25% discount for listeners to the podcast. Use promo code GOLF25. So instead of 150 a month, JE, we've established my mathematics already and the car is appalling. How much will that cost you for? 
for the month. It's going to cost you 135, but everybody else 112. <laughs> 50. And, I, and I'll be none the wiser. And uh, fair enough too. And of course, there's also if you take a three or twelve month subscription, there's a profit guarantee. So there's actually nothing to lose. I don't know why we call it betting. Let's move on to this week's events, Jay. This is our last podcast for the year, which is no surprise given that it's Christmas next week. We're almost uh, at the end of the year. The Australian PGA, the Thailand Masters are the two events. Uh, let's start with the Australian PGA on the Gold Coast, which is obviously co-sanctioned with the European Tour. It's a pretty big event to be having the week before Christmas, frankly, pushed into this spot by the President's Cup scheduling of a couple of years ago. Have you found some value, J.E., in a country that's still high on golf, I think, after what we watched last Well, week? I have, and it's the Kiwis and the Boxing Day Test at, at, at three to one. But don't <laughs> would, Coming back to the Aussie PGA, uh, yeah, I've got Dean Lawson. Um, we tipped him at uh, the Australian Open, and he rallied home with uh, a low score in the mid-60s. Uh, and they've put up odds, I think, are ridiculous. Here he's finished sixth last week. Uh, he's at $300. Um, and uh, he's got a strong... He's had a strong finish to his European Tour uh, year. Then we've got Aaron Pike, who uh, people will remember we tipped at 500 bucks at the Australian Open... He finished third, uh, a fine performance, just behind uh, Matt Jones and uh, Louis Oosthuizen, who also had a fantastic uh, uh, cup, President's Cup. And the, and the third one, the big odds one that we like to throw out every every uh, podcast for uh, Podcast Pete, Robin Peterson from Sweden. Never heard of him. Well, Robin Peterson... He's a Swedish player. He's had uh, four top five finishes in the last six weeks. Okay. So we've plucked him out over the odds, I think, which is the whole game we're playing. Mm -hmm. So I think we've got him there and uh, unbelievable value. And uh, top 20 for this, the Australian PGA, uh, one of our tips... Uh, it's to win the Australian Open, a young Kiwi who, who, in my opinion, could win four or five major championships. Extremely impressive. Finished fifth in the Australian Open. He's at three dollars twenty for the top twenty at the Australian PGA. It's like stealing wheat from blind chooks. This guy's good. <laughs> Denzel Iremia. Don't forget the name. His uncle was an All Black, and his cousin was a New Zealand. Commonwealth Games winning netballer. So you've got family, you've got sporting performance, and this kid's got as good a swing and is as good from six feet as I've seen from a kid from New Zealand. He's got real talent. He's the best I've seen since Michael Campbell coming out of New Zealand. And uh, That's a big uh, rap. Well, I think, you've, you, you know, we've had Danny Lee and Ryan Fox who are both yeah, good players. Absolutely. But this Denzel Iremia, he's... He's got something the others haven't got. So and then I've put in Aaron Pike at six dollars forty. Ran third last week in the Australian Open. Six dollars forty for the top twenty. Unbelievable value. Seems generous, doesn't it, for for a player who's playing well at a venue he'll be comfortable at and uh, no doubt confident. Let's move over to the Thailand Masters. Probably a thinner market here, I would think. Je being the sort of secondary world event. This week, lots of players have got lots to play for this week. You've got to finish in the top 60 on the money list to keep your card. So there'll be plenty of desperation golf. That can go either way. Tell me about the value you've found at well, the Thailand Masters. There's a couple of Masters. guys that, uh, that I've, tipped, I've tipped Arjun Hatwell before. 
two weeks I tipped him. Once he missed a cut and the other one he was leading after two rounds. So I've got him in there at hoping he'll, the, the latter uh, performance will be repeated. Uh, he's got $300, Arjun Atwell. Uh, by the time you get this podcast, he may well have drifted out and obviously you'll take the longer odds. Uh, and the other one, the other tip I've got uh, is, and there's no top 20 tips in the Thailand Masters because the market's very, very uh, immature. So I've put Martin Marmat at $630, a fellow that I've been following for a couple of weeks. Uh, I haven't put him out on podcast, Pete, but subscriber Steve has been, has been following him. Uh, not uh, poor performances, quite solid performance, been making the cut. Uh, but one guy that I've got a bit of time for, Martin Marmat, he's at $630. So I think he's uh, terrific value. Um, we've had a, uh, a solid last, since Rod and I have been doing the podcast, we've had solid performances, particularly our very good performances in the top 20. And the 16 units profit we made... Uh, for subscriber Steve last week means that we're actually showing a profit since we started, Rod, which is... Uh, so it doesn't come out of your pocket, anybody who took up the profit guarantee for that three or 12-month subscription. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Uh, fabulous stuff, Jay. If I'd asked you at the start of the year, here's a value bet, would the last golfer we mention on the 2019 Risk and Reward podcast be Martin Mamat? What odds would you have offered for that? <laughs> Yeah, well, what about uh, the first one we offered in our first trial podcast? Oh, let's uh, not go over this. Uh, a, a gentleman who I tipped you one out at seven hundred dollars. Yes. You remember his name? I do remember his name, Nate Chinkachink Lashley. Nate Lashley, seven hundred dollars. I tipped him one off Blanc yeah. to Rod, and I said, Rod, I said, look, I said, go and put five dollars on this cat. He'll bolt in seven hundred dollars. Up he got. He it was Rod it. on it? No, Rod No, wasn't he on wasn't. It. Rod and Rod tells me he's not a gambler, but now I want to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, that Rod is now tipping to Australian golf. I mean he's he's gone from being <laughs> it's part of my contract, J. E. He's missed he's missed a deal with uh, Nate Lashley. He's missed the big go. And here he is, he's he's now yeah, taken over as top tipster. If you see my tips on Golf Australia, make sure to go and find somebody else to back. That would be uh, that would be my advice. JE, it's been fabulous fun to be do, doing the podcast since I think it was about August that we started. I've really enjoyed catching up with you every week and chatting a bit about golf and chatting a bit about odds. I've learned a lot about how markets work. I'm still not a, not a gambler, but it's uh, it's intriguing to me. I really like the way you go about what you do. It makes sense to me. It's far more an investment strategy than a, than a gambling strategy. There is risk with all of those things. It doesn't matter whether you play the stock market or golfers or the horses, but the way you approach it I think is really interesting. But most of all, I hope the, the punters have enjoyed both learning a little bit about the game and it's added to their enjoyment watching it, and we always hope that they've won some money. So thank you, my friend. It's been great to work with you. Well, thank you, Rod, and we, we, I, I think we should acknowledge the fact that you were awarded the, uh, the Journalist of the Year and, <laughs> and, and Podcaster of the Year, and, and that is you know, a, clear, uh, a clear and uh, exact uh, reference to your skill in this particular business, and uh, all the best for 2020 to subscribers and to Podcast Pete and to you. Thank you, my friend. Most uh, most appreciated. And that's it for us for Risk and Reward. We'll see you in the new year to do it all again in 2020.